Why don't we invite Aaron? Yay! I know I'm your favorite. I know. I'm your real favorite. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Uh, I want us to just uh, take a moment to pray before I preach. And what I want you to do is I want you to lay hands on your neighbor and I want you to prophesy over them that as they hear the word of God, something is going to come alive inside of them. I want you to just speak that out. And I want you to pray the breakthrough that you're asking God for. I know some of you last night were discussing what are some of your expectations. Uh, that expectation, that breakthrough that you want for yourself, I want you to pray that for your neighbor. You know, I remember one time I was under Pastor Daniel's uh, at, at his house, his home, Pastor Benjamin's spiritual father. And he said, the kingdom of God is very different because when you want to reap something, the key is to sow it in someone else's field. You know, if you want to reap breakthrough, then sow it into somebody else and you will receive breakthrough. If you want to reap deep relationships, sow it into someone else and you will reap it. And so what I want you guys to do is reap, I mean, sow into your neighbor right now. Everything that you are hungering for, everything that you're designed for, everything that you've been asking God for, sow it into your neighbor right now, believing that it's also going to impact you. Amen? Okay, so begin to prophesy and release that over them. Yes, Lord. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I just pray release. Yes, God. Yeah. Yeah, God, we thank you that every heart is opened. Our ears are opened. God, our eyes are open. We declare that we are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, I'm Pastor Aaron. I co-lead Pastor New Philly with my husband. Yesterday, we celebrated our five-year anniversary. That's half a decade. That's a long time. And, uh, you know, we were thinking... Man, we're going to start our five year, celebrate our five year anniversary at a retreat. But you know, we were talking amongst each other and saying, I mean, we'd rather be here, you know, than a fancy restaurant. What better way to celebrate five years of marriage, releasing the fire of God, right? And so we're so honored. We're so blessed to be with you today. And uh, we're so excited about what God is doing at Living Hope with the young adults. And uh, how many other churches are represented? How many of you guys are not from Living Hope? Can you guys raise your hand? So we have the ark. Okay, if you're from the ark, put your hands down. Okay, can you guys just shout out what church communities you guys are from? Go ahead. Out of curiosity, I just want to know. Okay, the river. What else? Radiance. What was that? Reality. Oh, wow. These are intense names. The river. Radiance. Reality. Awesome. 
What else? What else? Yes. Word of life. Okay, that, those are, I'm, I'm more familiar with that kind of name. Okay, yes. Okay, thanks. Oh, you're, you're the two brothers from TKC. Awesome. Tom told us about you. Okay, Pastor Tom. And um, anybody else? Brooklyn, from what? Oh, from Virginia, in Virginia. Okay. Come on. Wait, hold up. Are you Naima's sister? Come on. I heard a lot about you. I'm excited to meet you. Um, I know that there's a lot of churches that are represented here today. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be addressing living hope here and there. But I want you to understand. I want you to receive it for your, your own community. You know, you are here not only to be blessed, but you're here to receive the blessing, to pour it out back to your own churches. And so when I say living hope or young adults or whatever it may be, I want you to receive it for your own church. Because if I go through that list every single time I mention that, it's going to be a long message. All right. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I listen about the things that we needed to receive as an infant, as a child, I noticed, man, those are things that I didn't learn. Those are things I didn't get. And all of a sudden, you see gaping holes in areas that you, you read now that was very much part of your development. Yeah, yeah. And I think we got to come face to face the reality of what do we do now? Yeah. Now that we notice, man, I didn't learn that I was just a joy or a delight. In fact, I related a little bit more with our sister Diana and Eunice. And, you know, Diana's like crying. Why is my child this way? I related more a little bit with that scenario. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that looks like my childhood. You know, it's interesting. I had the most loving, incredible father. And my dad, man, he's just very affectionate. He's like not a typical Korean man because Korean uh, fathers tend to be a little bit more stoic. That's a stereotype. But my dad was very affectionate, very loving, very caring, uh, and very, um, you know, he used all of the love languages for me, gifts. I remember whenever my mom would say, Appa's home, I would book it. I would run to the front door because I knew my father had gifts for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be in the basement, and I'm, Appa's home. Hi, Appa. And literally, I would come with my hands, reach that, and, you know, he uh, did an import-export business, so he sold, you know, candy, stuffed animals, T-shirts, whatever. So every day, for as long as I can remember, when I was a kid, my dad would always bring home something for me. And so I would come home, and I would just, and without fail, he would place something into my hands. Whether it was a stuffed animal, whether it was a piece of candy, whether it was a little toy, uh, he always came and gave me something. So I have this really special relationship with my dad. And when it comes to imagining God as the father, I have no disconnect there. When I hear God the father, that that word father is so loaded. But for me, it's a positive, it's a positive, um, uh, you know, connection for me. Because I think of my dad, I think of him holding me. I think of my dad, you know, at night he used to massage my legs to make me grow taller, you know? (laughs) Some things didn't work out, but you know, every night. And you know, he would always tuck me in bed and I I remember just the way he would put my hair behind my ears, you know? It's just a very loving, affectionate relationship I had with my dad. But my mama, (laughs) but you wanna talk about your mom, I mean, this is, where prob- this is where we have problems here. My mom loved me. I know this now, but I didn't know that early on in my age. When I was young, I, I was doubtful about that truth. In fact, I was convinced more that my mom loved my brother, five years older, 
you know, he was like, listen, my brother, all right, he went to Ivy League school, Cornell, okay? Yeah, I know you don't like him already. See, that's how I felt, <laughs> right? He went to Cornell. He was all-state, you know, cross-country, all-state saxophone, alto, and baritone, you know, overachiever. Um, no, my brother was awesome, but he was very uh, accomplished. He was very disciplined, um, and he didn't really give my parents much trouble. He was a very obedient son, and in fact, he was an awesome brother, so I can't really hate on him because my brother really, really loved on me. He really loved on me. You know, me on the other hand, <laughs> I don't know if I learned that don't, you know, learn to do hard things. <laughs> I think I missed that part. I think I'm going to need some healing about that later on. But when I was young, I always liked to have fun and I always liked to do what I wanted to do. And so because I had that mentality, I really drove my mom crazy. You know, like if she said, don't touch my stuff, next thing you know, nail polish all over the carpet, nail polish on my face, you know, nail everywhere except my nails, you know, and I'm sorry. And so, you know, my mom was, I always felt, I had this perception that she was always disappointed in me. And that rather than being a delight, I was more a burden, a delinquent, a source of frustration I saw my mom cry a lot out of frustration because of me. You know, Diana, and I'm like, Oma, <laughs> is that you? And so I had this, you know, a little bit of a, uh, more of a disconnect. And it, it had, I had to go through a process of really going through healing and understanding my mom. Let me tell you right now that me and my mom have an awesome relationship. In fact, I'm so confident in my mom's love for me, how proud she is of me. But this took some steps. I had to take some steps in order to get to that place. And now when I look back on my childhood, I'm able to reframe it. God reframed it for me to see how much she actually did love me, you know. And so, you know, I wanted to pose a question. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with looking at the holes and the different stages and how do we remedy? How do we fix? How do we deal? How do we become whole if now we're looking at all the descriptions and tasks and we see, man, I'm missing that, I'm missing that, I don't do that, I don't do this. And what I want to release to you today is you, the answer is just one word and it's community. Pastor Sunny touched upon it a little bit while she was sharing earlier. But when you want to talk about receiving healing, receiving the acknowledgement that you're a joy and you're a delight, when you want to talk about receiving the, um, you know, the idea that you can take care of yourself and you can learn to do hard things, all of these things that we may feel like is missing in our lives, God has placed us into communities in order to bring healing. It says in scripture, he put the lonely into families. You know, because let's be real here. We can't rewind back to when we were two. We can't go back to when we were two years old and, and put ourselves in the perfect family and, and in that place and in our history receive everything that we need to receive. That time has passed. But it is available, that healing, everything that we feel like we're lacking or we're missing, it is available for us right now. But the answer is not going back in our past, not wishing we had different parents, not wishing we were in a different situation, but understanding when you look around, we're part of a community that can release everything that we needed, even when we were an infant, when we were a childhood, and so forth. The problem with our generation is we don't want to grow up. We got this Peter Pan syndrome where we just like being a kid. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to be responsible. 
How do you want to handle this situation? I don't know. Ask him. What do you want to do? I don't know. Ask her. We, we deflect responsibility. Why? Because our generation, we're so afraid. And we don't know who we are. And it takes not just a personal relationship with God. That's a given. But it takes for us to be committed to a community. Takes us to be committed to a community, not where you just attend. You guys, we all can attend church. But there's a difference between attending church and being a part of a family. There's a difference between showing up, saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, God bless you, and opening up your heart, being vulnerable, allowing others to see some of the things you don't want them to see, and having them minister to you. We need to be part of a community. We need to be committed to a community. We need to understand just how important that actually is. You know how I know that that's important? is because if you look at how the devil attacks, listen, he's not going to waste time attacking things that are not important. You know, PB1 said in one of his messages, you know, terrorists are not going to attack some abandoned warehouse. They're going to go for the World Trade Center. They're going to go for the Pentagon. They're going to go for the strong places, the places that have significance and authority and a power. And that's why we see so much division in the church today. That's why so many of us in this room, we've been burned by leaders. We've been burned by fellow, you know, youth group members or young adult, whatever it may be. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. Maybe you told somebody your deepest, darkest secrets and they just told everybody. Why is there so much attack going on in the community of the church? Why? Because it's our World Trade Center. It's because this community, it's the Pentagon. This is where things happen. This is the establishment of God's government. And so we got to pay attention because if we go with the flow, we're not going to commit. If we don't understand how important church community is, we're going to all run out. How many times, even if you're a leader, how many times have you been tempted to just walk out of a church? Let's be real here. I'm the pastor of my church. You know what I mean? If anybody should be having good thoughts about wanting to say, listen, there were times where I was like, man, if I wasn't married to the other pastor, like, I would be out of here. Well, I've been hurt by church members, where I've been hurt by circumstances, situations, and everything inside of my flesh is saying, just go. Just go. Leave. And I have to sit there and fight. Just nothing's happening here. Or how about this? You're not growing here anymore. You're not advancing. You've hit your ceiling in this community. Our church family... Our community, our relationships with one another is so important to filling the holes and the gaps that we're noticing right now as we learn about the development stages. Because one thing that you got to understand about God is God manifests himself not only through your personal time with him in prayer, not only through worship, but he manifests himself through people. One thing that we noticed in ministry is it's so interesting. If you've been hurt by people, you get healed through people. If you get hurt by church leadership, often you receive your healing by seeing right church leadership. If you've been hurt by men, often it takes a God-fearing, loving man in your life, a brother in Christ loving on you to reframe your mind and for you to receive healing in that area. If you've been hurt by sisters gossiping about you, man, I've been a 
victim of gossip, and I've also been like the queen of gossip. You know, snap. I'm about to get down. No, but, <laughs> you know, that's what we do, like pastime. That was our form of entertainment in church is to talk about each other. So I was really good at that. Uh, and I was also a victim of that. And so I've just so many examples where words have torn people apart. And often if you're a, a victim of words destroying your life, it's often the words of God fearing brothers and sisters, words of life that heals you. When we get hurt in the church, we think the solution is to leave. Yeah. When we get hurt by our spiritual authorities, we think the solution is to walk away and find another spiritual authority. Of course, there are certain examples where there, there, those times are appropriate. Okay, I'm not saying you're stuck forever and ever and ever. There are examples where God will lead you that way. But most majority, 99.99999% of the time, God wants you to commit. And he wants you to stay because this, look around, folks, this is where you're going to receive your breakthrough. What are you missing on that little list? Look around. That's the person next to you. That person's the one that's going to help you receive that. What part that, were you a a nuisance? Did you feel like you were a nuisance to your parents? Watch the person that's right around you. They're going to teach you that you're a delight and you're a joy. And so it's in community, it's in fellowship with one another where we receive healing. Now, the problem is, even in the most amazing fellowships, there's still stuff that happens, isn't there? People still mess up, they make mistakes. Even leaders, spirit-filled, prophetic, you know, fire of God, fire leaders, they're gonna, they might do something where you get hurt. They might say something that makes you feel small or low. You know, it's funny because God says that we've been adopted into sonship. And often when you think about your natural family, you can't change anything about that. Your mom is your mom. Your dad is your dad. Your brother is your brother. Your sister is your sister. There's no change. There's nothing that can change about that situation. We may have some extra stepfather, stepmom, you know biological mom or maybe you've been adopted and then you have the mom that raised you there may be some little bit of extras but generally we can't change our family yet we're constantly trying to change our church family we're constantly trying to find the perfect father and we're constantly trying to find the perfect mother and we're constantly trying to find the perfect brother and sister but just like a natural family it does not work like that you guys family is divine defined by the fact that we can't escape That's family. That at the end of the day, your dad is still your dad. No matter what you do, no matter what you look like, no matter how much you cut your hair, no matter what you change, this is still your family. So my my message is so simple. Get used to each other. Get comfortable. Because sometimes your breakthrough is not just going to come from your leader. It's going to come from the person sitting next to you. And when we don't know how to properly relate to one another, we will continue to walk in our lives stunted. We will continue to walk in our lives in an infancy stage, in a childhood stage, when God is calling us to go through the rite of passage and to become adults. Why is so God so desperate for us to be adults? Why is that his heart? Because before you're an adult, you can only take care of yourself. But you know that our destiny and our calling, whether you're called into uh, full-time ministry or not, you got a ministry. 
Whether that's in school, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's in the company that you're working at, you are a full-time minister. And because you're a full-time minister, we got to learn how to impact others. But only an adult can do that. Only an adult can take care of more than themselves. Only an adult can take responsibility and love on somebody without wanting to receive love in return. You'll hear a little bit more about that later on. And because this is our calling, not only to receive God's love, but to manifest his love, we got to grow up, folks. We have to grow. We can't afford to let ourselves stay immature. We can't afford to let ourselves stay stunted or in this place of childhood or infancy because it's all we know. Because if we stay here, we do no damage. The devil ain't afraid. You know, there's this quote, I forget who said it, but the devil always tries to kill in infancy. He always tries to kill things in infancy because he knows when things mature, it's game over. And so this is where we mature. It's with one another. You can't mature without people. There's no maturing by yourself. If you live in the forest alone here, let's say you stay in this you know, random place. I don't know where we are, but you pitch a tent by yourself and you pray every single day and you seek the Lord and you have third heaven visitations. That's fantastic. But if you have nobody around you, there's no grid. There's no way to test how much you've actually matured. And so we need one another. Even if we hurt one another sometimes, even if we get it wrong, even if we make mistakes, we need to be committed to one another because in our relationship with one another, we will mature. We will mature. You know, when we come into church families, often what we do is we bring a little bit of baggage. You know, we don't come empty handed. We come with some stuff, don't we? And we come with some stuff that, that puts projections on other people. Man, you look like that person that hurt me, so I don't like you. You know, some, for some of you guys, if I say a certain name, there's so much bitterness and resentment towards that person with that name that whoever has that name, you're like, mm. It's like, hi, my name is Chris. Chris? <laughs> you know, we come up with all this, all sorts of baggage. Maybe you're like me. You had issues with your mom. And so when you see women in authority in the church, all of a sudden you're like, "Mm, I'm going to go talk to Pastor Benjamin. Because I can trust him. But Pastor, "Mm, I don't want to look at her. You know, it's funny. When when, uh, Pastor Christian and I first came under sonship to PB and PS, I didn't know that I was part of the deal. I thought that it was just between PB and PC. And like, can I tell you, I felt really left out. You know, he's like, yeah, PB said he's going to be my spiritual father. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And I was like, that night, I remember being like, God, please send me a father. I was like, please send me a mentor. I had no idea that I was part of the deal. And it was only when PB came to Korea to kind of establish our relationship that I was like, are you my dad too? You know, like, will you be my spiritual father too? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yay. And he goes, and Pastor Sonny is also your spiritual mom. And I was like, what? You know, like, I just didn't know that all that came in the the package. And, you know, when I first met Pastor Sonny, I remember I was so afraid of her. Can I tell you? I was so intimidated. I was like, "Mm." 
because she reminded me, reminded me so much of my mom. You know, Pastor Sonny, she's not interested in like wasting time on foolishness, you know? Like when something needs to get done, get it done, you know? And, and she's just, she's got this authority and this presence. And sometimes when she just looks at you, you're just like, oh, you know, like fear of God comes upon you. And so what happened was what I was doing in our relationship without even realizing it was I was projecting a lot of hurt from my own mother onto Pastor Sonny. And so in the beginning of this relationship that we had, you know who I talked to the most? Pastor Benjamin. Why? Because what's my relationship with my dad like? So easy. My dad is so loving, constantly giving me presents. So I felt safe with this relationship, but I didn't feel safe here. But I had no interaction to judge Pastor Sonny on. It was solely and completely on the baggage I was bringing from my own mother. And if I kept at it, you know what would have happened? I would have disconnected myself from an outpour of blessings and inheritance that I could receive only from Pastor Sonny if I kept that with me. Thankfully, it was actually through, through Pastor Sonny I was able to really step into another level of healing with my own mom. And it was through Pastor Sonny I received so many of my breakthroughs. See, God, what he's trying to do is bring restoration. And he's trying to close the gap, not just between him and you, but between one another. Because it's here. Breakthrough is here. Breakthrough is here. Breakthrough is in our connection with one another. That's why we see so much slander in the church. That's why we see so much gossip, so much hurt, so much regret, so much betrayal in the church because the devil is attacking our Pentagon. But today, what I want to establish in all of our hearts is not on our watch. Not on our watch. Maybe it happened in the past, but today God wants to rise up in our hearts this commitment to not let the devil have a playground in our church community. You know, my husband gives this example. If someone walked into your home while you were there and tries to rob you, would you just sit by and watch? Like, oh, please. By the way, under my bed is a couple of hundred dollars. Oh, but don't forget that over there. No, if someone comes into your house and you're in the house, you're going to do whatever it takes to stop that and kick them out. Why? Because that's intrusion. But we let the devil intrude our families all the time. And we see him stealing and robbing, and we just let it go. And then we complain about how we need to go to another church. You can go to however many churches you want to go to. But if you don't learn how to commit to one family in one place, you're constantly going to go from childhood here to childhood there, to childhood there, to childhood there, to childhood there. There will be no maturing. And so I want to talk about how to let things go today. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love keeps no record of wrong. And like I said, when it comes to our church family, even though it's our Pentagon, there's some things that can be there. Whether it's things that you brought in through your baggage, whether it's hurt from your own family, whether it's hurt from your own friendships outside of church, or maybe it's within the church where you've been disappointed in people where you've been hurt by people, betrayed by people, whether that's your leader to your friend, God wants us to let it go today. Why? Because we can't mature. We can't grow up 
without rightly relating to one another. So 1 Corinthians 13, it's that famous passage. Usually it's used by weddings, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. You know, I did a VBS um, song to that back in the day when I used to do VBS at my church. So I memorized that whole thing because I have it in melody form in my mind with the, with the motions. You know, it's all about that little, that little bounce. But the one line that I want us to hone in on out of that passage about love is love keeps no record of wrong. I want you to say that together. Love keeps no record of wrong. Go ahead. You know, a lot of us in church, we carry a, a, like an encyclopedia of wrongs. When you walk in on Sunday and you don't feel the presence of God, let me ask you, you have a couple of records of wrongs that might be holding you back perhaps? And it's funny, we have an encyclopedia for each person that we see. It's like, you didn't say hi to me. Mm, you said this about me. You weren't there for me when I was sick. You know, like whatever person that we see, but I like you, you know, <laughs> it's like, you're good. And we have these record of wrongs from, for people around us. Some, maybe it's a longer, it's a longer list than others. And, you know, we're learned to, we, we learn to forgive, but sometimes we forgive, but we keep the record of wrong. We don't allow ourselves to throw that in the fire and say, no longer, I'm going to look at you with all of this. But we're going to start clean here from this point on. Just like God made me into a new creation, I want to see you as a new creation in my mind. Not the person that used to hurt me. Not the person that I thought rejected me. I want to see you for you. We got to swipe the slate clean today. Because we can't rightly relate to one another when we got books of wrongs against each other. It's not possible. You know, scripture says in Matthew chapter 18, it gives the parable of the unmerciful servant. It's one of, it's an awesome example about forgiveness. And it's about the king and a servant and a servant owes his king this impossible debt. It's just not possible in his lifetime to pay it off. And this king looks at the servant. The servant is begging for mercy. Please have mercy on me. And the king shows mercy and says, you know what? Your debt is gone. And that same servant that received so much grace from this king goes to a servant of his who owes him like, you know, a day's worth of wages. And the same servant under him gets on his knees, same thing, and says, forgive me, have mercy on me. And this servant that just received so much from this king says, nah, and gets this servant under him thrown into jail. The king finds out and is pissed. Like, are you kidding me? Like, let's put that in our perspective. Let's say you just give someone a, someone owes you a thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, you guys. A thousand dollars and you and you're just all of a sudden the grace of God, supernatural anointing to give comes upon you. You're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me back. And you find out that they go up to someone else in church who owes them a dollar like 50 cents? What if it was like a penny? Can you imagine? And this, and you just see this person that you just let go of a thousand dollars act filled with rage, anger, upset. You owe me a penny. You know, finally, you owe me a penny. You owe me a penny. You owe me a penny. Like just walking around, following them around, like not letting them go. Can you, well, how would that make you feel? A little bit infuriated, don't you think? 
Well, that's such a small comparison to what this king must have felt. This was a debt that could have been paid in a lifetime versus a debt for a day's worth of wages. But the reason why I love using this passage is because God equates, Jesus uses this to talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness through the eyes of debt, money. And some of you guys, as you're looking at the list of things that you didn't receive, what you're thinking is, man, my mom owes me some affirmation when I was little. She owed me. She was supposed to do this. This is what a good mother does, but she didn't do it. So she owes me. And what we do is we put in prison that person until they pay us back. Until I feel like you pay me back from everything that you didn't give to me that I know you should have, I'm going to lock you up in my heart. And often it's so similar in the sense that they can't pay us back. What's your mom going to do? Rewind time? What are you going to pretend like you're two again and reenact the scene and have your, you know what I mean? How how are you going to remedy that? How is she ever going to pay you back? Basically what you're saying is I'm going to lock you up forever. I'm going to lock you up forever. That's what you're saying. Because time wasted in our minds, you owe me two years of my life. I was with an ex-boyfriend for four years in college. Four years. Four years of my life with this guy. And listen, let me tell you, it wasn't all pretty. And it was both ways. Like, he was abusive and I was abusive. It was just a destructive relationship. You know, we were doing drugs at the time because, of course, that helps, right? You know? (laughs) I mean, throw in an addiction to gambling for him, an addiction to stealing for me. It's like a recipe for success. Four years of my life, my college years. And, you know, I could have the temptation to say, man, you owe me four years. I wasted four years on you, and I can never get that back. And because I can never get that back, I'm never going to let this go. So we need to reframe things in the context of the king first. Because when you want to look at that isolated incident, then yeah, maybe you you have a right to get upset. Yeah, then maybe you do have a right. There is a debt that you feel like someone owes you. But we got to put it back into what scripture is saying, what Jesus was saying. What he meant when he told the story was, first, there was a king. And this servant owed the king an insurmountable amount. And the king showed this servant grace. You know, when the king canceled the debt, you know, he still had to pay for it, right? Let's think about that for a second. If Chanel owed me $1,000 and I said, Chanel, don't worry about it. Does that debt, $1,000, go anywhere? It just disappears? No, I pay it. I'm paying $1,000. I pay the cost for what she owes me. I pay the debt. And in that same way, Christ paid the debt for us. There was still a cost that had to be paid. There was a debt that was owed. So someone had to foot the bill. Someone had to pay for it. You know, I was in the gas station on the way here, and I wanted to buy, like, a drink and, like, a chocolate bar. And I go up, and I give them my credit card. And as I give them the credit card, they're like, listen, it's cash or debit only. And I was like, oh, man, all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get it from Tina in the car. So I go back to the car. I come back, and I'm with $5 at hand. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, don't worry about it. The gentleman before you just paid for it. And I was like, what, who? 
And they're like, oh, he's going out right now. So I ran out and I looked and like everyone's just like standing still. Like there's nobody that was walking or en route or whatever. And I was like, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? I went to run and say, thank you. And they're like, I don't know. I think he just got in his car and left. Can you imagine? He just paid for it. I mean, that's a good feeling, by the way. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. It, it might have been free for me, but somebody paid the cost. And in that way, when you talk about forgiveness towards others, especially in our community, when you want to talk about forgiveness outside of our community that affects our relationships in the community, yeah, we're talking about having to pay the cost of giving a gift to somebody that they don't deserve. Yeah, they owe you this. Yeah, your mother should have held you, looked at you in their eyes and said, you are a joy and a delight to me. Yeah, your father should have been around to protect you from those things. Yes, your friend should have stuck by you when you went through that situation rather than leaving you dry. Yeah, there are debts that we have. But God is saying, we got to let that go today because we can't move forward. We got to let go all of the record of wrongs that happened. And even if it happened outside of church, if you hold on to it, it affects our relationship in the church. And so we can't skip this step. We can't look around and be like, oh, you know, I don't really have that much beef with anybody here, so I'm good. But still hold unforgiveness and bitterness towards someone outside of church because everything's affecting everything. We need one another. This is how we're going to grow up, you guys. How are we going to do? How are we going to mature? It's with the help of one another. The idea of being transparent with one another, vulnerable with one another. And most importantly, if I were to use one word, it's committed. No matter what, committed. Because that's what makes a family committed. You know, some of you guys, it's not so much about forgiving someone else, but it's about forgiving yourself. And even when you think about the concept of maturing, you're bombarded with mistakes that you've made. And the thought that comes to your mind is, what's the point? I've tried this before. And you think about your desire to want to grow up, and then all of a sudden it's a flood, the record of wrong of things that you did. Even if it's not against someone else, if you have a record of wrong against yourself, it's going to stunt your growth. We got to let that go. I may be preaching here today, but listen, if I told you everything that I did the days before, you will be shocked. I'm a small little Korean girl, but listen, I got myself in a whole lot of trouble. And yet I'm not sitting here carrying my record of wrongs everywhere I go. I've let that go. Because if I walked around with that, I wouldn't be able to mature. There's no way. And there are times, man, even now there are times when I think about certain areas of my life where I know I'm, I'm stunted, you know? And then I think about all the times where I fell in that area, you know? Wake up early, and I'm like, mm. And then it's like a flashback of all the times, you know, I stay in late or whatever it may be. I just, it's the spirit of futility just comes upon you. Well, what's the point? Don't even try. Don't waste your time. God wants to break that today. 
He wants us to remove the record of wrong that we have against ourselves as well. You know, when Alethea, I knew her when she, before she was able to walk, she was like crawling around. She came to the Niagara conference at, at New Philly. And um, I remember I got to see her walk with PB and PS holding, um, they were each holding her hand and I got to see her walk for one of the first couple of times that she ever did that. And they were so excited. You know, and babies, they walk like they're drunk, you know? They're all just like, you know, and like, mm, you know, and they're like trying to care. And at one point they might fall, but, you know, that baby isn't like, oh, woe is me. I'm never going to walk ever again because I fell. Or PB and PS aren't like, how could you fall? You're supposed to walk. No, there's this level of understanding that we got to grow. If, when we mature, we're going to fall a couple of times when it comes to learning how to use parts of our heart that we've never used before. You know, when, it, when we're talking about commitment, yeah, you're not, we're not used to commitment sometimes. And so when we agree to commit, there might be some moments where you're like, ah, boom. But just like we wouldn't yell at a baby, you know, just like we wouldn't yell at someone who's learning to walk for the first time, what's wrong with you, baby? What's wrong with you? We would never do that. <laughs> Why? Because it's part of the process. But when, as Christians, when we're developing, we're constantly slamming ourselves down. We're constantly discrediting ourselves. We're constantly saying, you can't because you did this. But listen, as a community today, we're going to learn how to walk together. That even when you fall sometimes, someone's going to come back and pick you back up, dust off all the dirt, and move forward. And so I don't know what's going on in your personal situation. But what I do know is that when we're hurt, we can't grow. And I believe that God wants to release us into destroying all those record of wrongs that we've been holding on to. Because the key to breakthrough is in relationships. Think about it. When we get hurt by people, what the devil is trying to do is to get us to not trust people. Why? To walk away from people. To not believe in people. To expect the worst in people. Why? Because he knows that it's through people that God uses to minister to us, to love on us, to set us free, to affirm us, to build us up. He uses people. And so the enemy does anything and everything to bring that kind of division. Earlier this year, I had a miscarriage. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life. Because this baby, when I was pregnant, it was like the promised baby. My whole church was praying. We received a prophetic word uh, personally about God restoring my womb because I was having all these issues and complications. And we got pregnant. And when I went through our miscarriage, it was so, so, so difficult. That's trauma B, right? But I don't have any residue from that trauma as I stand before you today. Do you know why? It's because I had people walking me through that. It was supernatural. God kept sending people our way. From Pastor Sunny, she was in Korea. Can you imagine? Like, what are the chances that God orchestrated that way? Pastor Sunny was in Korea. Another leader that, that's a dear friend to us, Ronnie Henderson, was in Korea. My mom later came to Korea to help me through each of these steps. My husband was beside me. My sister-in-law who lives with me, she was constantly ministering to me and my church. They were praying for me. They were contending for me. 
But can I tell you, when I was in the middle of it, all I wanted to do was go in a room by myself and not talk to anybody. Everything inside of me was saying, don't go outside. You know what I mean? Don't talk to people about what you're going through. Like everything was just go in a ball in your bed, put the blanket over you and do not come out. And I did that. I did that for some time. And it wasn't until Pastor Sonny came and and told me, listen, you're not going to receive healing unless you allow God to turn your relational switch on again. Because right now it's off and you don't want to connect with anybody. But if you don't connect with anybody, you know what I mean? If you don't connect with anybody, God can't bring that healing and that restoration that you need. And so she helped me turn that switch on first with interactive moment with God. Because I didn't even want to talk to him. I didn't even want to connect with God because all the trauma that I was going through. I wanted to turn that off. But first we turned that back on. And I was, as I was trying to reconnect with God and as he was, you know, synchronizing feelings with me. And I understood that he was hurting on my behalf as well. That he loved me. That he knew what I was going through. All of a sudden, Pastor Sonny challenged me. Okay, now I want you to share with three other people about what you experienced. And I was like, I don't want to share with three other people. I was like, okay. But I I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to talk about my feelings and what I was going through with other people. I'd much rather just deal with it by myself. Everything inside of me was, no, you don't really need to do that. That's unnecessary. You know, she said it, so I had to do it, right? (laughs) And I knew she was going to ask me later. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And so I started sharing with other people. And it's so interesting. As I opened up to other people, man, that interactive moment that I had with God went like 20 million times deeper. And while I was having it, it was good. It was powerful. But when I was sharing with, you know, some of my closest friends, like, it was like revelation bomb after revelation bomb after just waves and waves and waves of God's goodness. God wants us to connect to one another like that all the time. To not just experience him on a personal level, but to share, tell each other, man, this is what God did for me. And this is what I'm struggling with, but this is what God said. And as we share with one another, all of a sudden we go deeper. And we go deeper and we get solidified in that healing. We get solidified in that breakthrough. And then we provide breakthrough for the person that's listening. And the person that's like, oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing. You know, and it goes on and on and on and on. But what the devil wants to do is cut that flow by cutting our relationship with one another via bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. But today, right now, we're going to erase all of those record of wrongs. Are you guys ready for this? Do you guys, do we all understand that we need this to mature? We're talking about going through the rite of passage, amen? We want to leave this retreat center adults, being able to minister and love on other people, not just take care of ourselves. That's our anointing. That's our calling. And so I want you guys to just bow your heads with me. And we're going to think about that statement, love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. And I want the Holy Spirit to begin to move. Just ask Holy Spirit, can you just bring light, shed light on any record of wrongs that I've been holding on to? Listen, it could be something small. 
You may think it's insignificant, but when it's left undealt with, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe it's towards the leadership. Man, they knew that I wanted to do this, but they didn't let me. And something just stuck. Maybe it's towards people that you really love and care about that hurt you. And you got disappointed in people. And there's a desire in your heart, you know what? I don't want to deal with this again. So I'd rather just not open up. I'd rather not have this expectation. God wants you to remove that. He wants you to remove that. We're getting that all out of the way. Maybe it's with your parents. I know for me, I had to let go of things even in my own marriage. Hurt that I was carrying. And it was both ways, areas where I've, I felt hurt by my husband and areas where he's felt hurt by me. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we don't just read the word, the word reads us. And God, we meditate on that phrase, love keeps no record of wrong and got all the books all the records we've been storing up about ourselves about others we know that you're calling us to let that all go today to understand that a debt had to be paid but lord because of your grace for us you've given us the ability to show grace to other people Come on, I want you guys to just begin to pray. I want you guys to begin to open up your mouths. I don't want you guys to miss this opportunity. I want you to just be real with God right now. Jesus. 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 You know, and if you feel like you have to, you have some record of wrongs you got to let go today, I want you to stand to your feet. If you know you got something that you got to let go today, you don't want to leave this place carrying that book around anymore, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 And I want you to lift out your hands just like I did when I knew my dad was coming home. I stretched out my hands because I knew my daddy was coming with a gift. God is going to give you the grace to forgive right now. Where you try to do it on your own, but it didn't work. And you try to do it in your flesh, but it didn't work. Daddy's going to give you a gift right now. He's going to extend the grace to forgive. The grace to let go. The grace to remove the record of wrongs right now. So we can be set free once and for all. So come on, if you're sitting in the chair. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray right now for all those that are standing. Come on, let's begin to warfare. God, we just thank you, Lord. God, and we just pray, God, no longer today, Lord. Father, are we going to hold on to the things? Jesus. Jesus. Come on, if you're sitting, I want you to go around someone that's standing. If you're sitting down, 
Even if they don't go to your church or not, I want you to begin to just support them. I want you to begin to encourage them. I want you to lay your hands, give them, release that grace. Minister. Jesus, 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 once and for all, God. Once and for all, God. Once and for all, God, we just declare God. God, we let it go. We let it go. We let it go once and for all, God. Father, we understand that there is a debt, but God, we let it go, God. Father, we just declare that we are erasing the book, the record of wrong, God, right now, Lord. Yeah, I don't want you to do a general thing right now. If you have specific people in your mind, I want you to just think of those specific people. One by one, I want you to just, Lord, I choose to forgive them today. Lord, I choose to forgive them today. Lord, I choose to remove the record of wrong today. I choose to see them as you see them today. Come on, just begin to make that vocal decision. Commit that right now. It's not about your emotions. It's not about your feelings. It's about obedience. And your heart will follow, I promise. Yeah, Lord. Jesus, we just release that. We just remove that, God. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. God, we just pray right now. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I want you guys to... um. Take a second, hold the hand of someone that's next to you. Yeah, just connect as much as you can, each side. Two things. You know, we don't have a lot of time, but I want you to share with at least two people what God was revealing to you during this time. And I want you to just share, yeah, you know, you don't have to name the person. You don't have to, um, you know, if you feel like it's dishonoring, that you don't have to name certain people. I want you, you know, there was unforgiveness I had towards someone. But God, this is how he ministered to me. I want you guys to open up, share, whether it's over lunch, whether it's over free time, at least two people, I want you to do that. Because God's going to deepen that forgiveness. He's going to deepen that healing as you share. Amen. And what we're going to do to just close this time is I want us to pray for just the, the commitment to one another. Living Hope Young Adults, I want you guys to imagine yourselves as a family. And I want you to understand that God wants to solidify the commitment amongst you guys. That it won't just be about having this perfect family, but no matter what goes on, you're committed. No matter, even when you want to run away, you're committed because you know that healing and breakthrough is with one another. And if you're part of another community, I want you to pray that over your church. I want you to pray that over the community that you're part of right now. So come on, let's begin to lift one another up. Let's declare it in your face, devil. We're going to commit. We're going to commit to one another. No matter how hard it gets, we're going to commit to one another. That we're going to recognize the breakthrough. Come on, lift up your voices. Yeah, God, Lord, we just declare we're removing all division right now. We're removing every wall right now in the name of Jesus. 
We're removing, God, oh Lord, every record of wrong, God, every discrimination, God, that we've had towards one another, God, because of our past. And God, we declare that you're opening us up, God. We declare commitment, God, and openness, Lord. Father, we want to commit to one another. We want to love on one another. We want to manifest you to one another, God. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We're not going anywhere, Lord, but God, we're going to stay where you planted us, God. In Jesus. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Father, we just make this commitment together. And God, we declare that your desire for us is to mature and to grow up. And God, even when things get hard, we just declare that we want to commit to this community. Because it's in this community, it's in this family that you placed us in, that we're going to continue to receive our healing. We're going to continue to receive our breakthrough. And we're going to be the source of healing. And we're going to be the source of breakthrough for others. And so God, we thank you that you're breaking down every divisive wall. You're removing disappointment. You're removing discouragement. You're removing unforgiveness. You're removing anger. You're removing, God, bitterness, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And, God, that you are setting us free to love one another. So, God, we just thank you. We just thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.